Welcome to Lifting Leaders. We believe we need every voice, every idea, and every heart in order to seize every opportunity to tackle today's complex and challenging problems. Leaders hold the key to unleashing this power in every individual. We believe everyone's a leader. If you have an opportunity to influence others, then you're a leader. This podcast is for you. We want to lift you up and elevate your leadership capabilities to positively leverage the impact you have on the world's most critical challenges through energizing and unleashing the power of every voice. Today's leaders are facing the challenges of change in ways that have not been done before. Businesses realize that to remain competitive, they must innovate and reinvest themselves in ways that benefit our world. This presents challenges for every leader, whether new or seasoned, to re-examine their skills and experience and adjust where necessary. We will examine what it means to be a leader today and how to show up and have the highest positive impact. We will talk with leaders who are figuring it out every day, just like you. And we will also talk to experts who can share from their knowledge and challenge you to grow and try something new. And Trisha and I will be on the journey with you, sharing our more than 60 years of combined experience coaching and teaching leaders and organizations to be the best they can be. Join us on this adventure to unleash leader possibilities to make a better world. It's great to be here with you, Trisha, to take a deep dive into a couple of topics that our amazing guest last week, Dr. Pamela Hale, an exceptional veterinary executive, talked about. And for our listeners, after every episode where we have a guest, we'll be taking a deep dive into a few of the topics that they bring up during the session. And so that's what we're doing today. If you haven't listened to the podcast with Dr. Hale, please take the time to listen to that episode. Guaranteed, you will be inspired. There were so many good nuggets from that episode, it was difficult to choose which ones to focus on this week, but we decided to explore deeper into developing employees, finding your passion, and developing resilience. We hope you take away some additional information and a few practical steps that you can take to continue to build your practices around these really important topics. How are you doing today, Trisha? I'm doing great. I can't wait to get into this. I had so much fun listening to Dr. Hale, and um, I think it's going to be wonderful if we can go a little deeper and give people a little bit more of a, a sense of what that all meant, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of that foundational stuff that we know, even though the world of work has really changed because of the pandemic and so many other things that are going on. We know it's really important to to return to those foundational elements because they still apply. So the first one we're going to dive into is one of the inspiring sort of challenges she gave to us. She said, really, leaders need to think about, do they know how to develop their employees? Do they know where the, the next leaders are coming from? And also to think about when we develop employees, are, how are we doing that? Are we standing beside them? Are we a partner in that? Are we sort of pushing them from below? So pushing them into the things that they might not be comfortable doing? Or are we actually reaching down and lifting them up? And the answer really is there's no one right answer that there is so many ways to actually develop our employees. And I also loved how she said, 
that her ambition is not about herself anymore. She said her ambition is for others. I want I want to be an advocate, and that's what we really want for all leaders, to be an advocate, well, you know, for themselves and for their people. Right, and I, I totally agree with that, and I think right now it may kind of feel like that is a challenge when we think about a lot of um, businesses that are working alternative work schedules, that hybrid work that we're doing. Um, a lot of leaders are not quite sure what their role is, and so this is a, you know, this is a good time for them to maybe revisit that you know you don't just stop development when somebody doesn't come into the office every day so um yeah so it's a good topic i think it's going to be good to unpack a little bit (laughs) that's great i found actually a couple of articles if you want to find these articles you can look at the show notes off our website and these are from center for creative leadership we love that that organization Mm -hmm. they've got a lot of really good stuff and Uh, This article is called, How Do You Develop Employees? It's a checklist. And so we thought this would be really nice and practical for leaders. They can kind of take away this checklist. And so I'm going to just walk through that right now. There's four steps to it. And the first one is to take responsibility for developing your employees. And that really means um, making development a core part of what people do. So it's not just about oh, we're going to do this to the side. We're actually going to say, yes, it's a part of what you do in the hours that you work for us here at the organization. It's really important. Yeah, I think it is important. And I think it is, for some people, it's going to be um, turning something upside down for them because we have heard over the years, at least I've heard throughout my career, that employees are really responsible for their development. And we want everybody to be responsible for their development. And yes, that's true. But leaders need to take a different stand on that because um, a lot of times people just don't know where to start. And even just having that conversation in the beginning, you know, what do, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or what, you know, what, what do you aspire to? Those are things that, that are on the leader. That's what that's what makes leaders inspiring sometimes is that they, you know, that they take the time to reach out to their people and find out what they'd like to do and then help them go down that road. So yeah, I think it is a part of every leader's role. Yeah. And I think you brought up another thing that's really important, Trisha, and is part of this first step, is it is important for employees to be accountable for their development. And that's part of us as leaders, we need to listen to them and what do they what are they interested in? I thought the other piece of that first step that was so interesting, and I get a lot of questions about this when I'm coaching leaders, is how do I actually delegate? And we're not going to mm. talk deeply about that, but it's really important to think about that is a great place, delegation, a great place for development. So it's not necessarily about heading off to a conference or taking a workshop, but how can you develop right here in your job And that helps you as a leader, too, because you can actually get rid of some of your work. So somebody else can actually be learning it. And yes, it takes time. Yes, you need to not just hand it off and leave them to swim in the deep end. But delegation can be a great way for your employees to actually develop. And that is so true. And that is part of that responsibility that leaders have to be developers. And I think it's just one of the best ways to develop people is to give them an opportunity to stretch. And if they don't know how to do it, it doesn't really take that long to help somebody learn how to do something. It takes longer sometimes to go back and fix it if you didn't 
if you didn't give them enough information on the front end, right? But what happens is it gives also the leader a chance to see what what their employees can do. And just seeing that sometimes is really informative. It, it really helps them figure out, okay, so maybe this is the right path, or maybe we need to give more. And to your point, it takes some of the monkey off of the back of the leader and puts it right where it belongs sometime, which is right with the people that do all the work, right? So. Yeah. All right. Step two is take responsibility for developing talent in the organization. And what this really is talking about is, yes, it's important to actually think about your own team, but beyond your team in the organization. And I also, a really important piece of this, which I think a lot of people struggle with, is that it, that it's okay for your person, once they get developed to a certain point, to move on in an organization. That's a positive thing. And it's really can be kind of a signature for you as a leader if you develop your people well. And they go on to really important things mm -hmm. elsewhere in the organization. So thinking about talent as a pool within your organization, not just within your team. You know, that's, that's another really key point when you're thinking about how do we keep the intellectual property in the organization and not see it go out the door, right? We live in a world right now where a lot of people are dealing with the great resignation. And part of that is there are people who have wonderful skills, experience, real depth of knowledge, and they're leaving and they're, they're going somewhere else, right? They're taking all that with them. And so it's, it's so important for leaders to really take another look at their talent and see where it exists and what they might need to close some gaps for those who have potential, but you know, just haven't done it yet. So the, the other piece about this, uh, thinking of your resources, your talent within the organization as more of a pool in the organization is being willing as a leader to actually, um, take on some talent from other parts of the organization. So this should be a reciprocal process. The third step is to use on-the-job experiences to develop employees. And we talked just a little bit about this um, just a second ago, but really thinking about, I love uh, the Center for Creative Leadership. They have this model that is, we call it the 70-20-10 model, mm -hmm. which looks essentially like a triangle. And at the 10, top 10%, that's your sort of formal leadership or formal development where you're going to classes or conferences, that's just 10% of development. And a lot of people put the whole weight there, but no, just 10%, 20% is that social interaction that can be mentoring. It can be debriefing things um, around the water cooler, the, uh, the, the virtual one now, and just processing uh, learning on the job. And then 70% is actually that on-the-job experience. So that's your 100%. And so, that is like so critical. And we've found that out over the last few years as we were doing some leadership development ourselves that there, there's real success. When people follow that, they really have a lot of success with that. We see people moving. We see people, um, their skills raising up to a new level. And our leaders that haven't gone through it but are the ones who are um, helping our participants through their leadership development are actually learning something as well. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that is awesome. Um, 
And then also when we think about that is to make sure that that's actually part of the plan. So when you actually write down that development plan, be sure to be thinking about, even though I know it's a little harder to do, to think, ah, in this next year or the next six months, whatever your review period is, what can this person do on the job to actually develop? And if I could just add to that, I would say make it a part of a conversation with the person. So it's not something that a leader should have to do in a vacuum. It is something that they, I would hope, that would do with their employees so that there is, um, you know, some, some uh, collaboration, if you will. You know, yes, I am interested in that or... No, I really don't have any interest in that. And if it's something that needs to be done, then perhaps it becomes a team project or something else. But if it's something that can help a person move either to a broader scope or a higher level, then yay. I mean, that is, that's what you want to have that conversation with the person there. It's not just talking about what you want to do, but how can we get you there? Yeah, Absolutely. And then the fourth step is to support learning from experience. Um, so this is really helping employees to unpack um, these stretch assignments and things that people actually, um, that we're asking them to take on, that delegation, the relationships that they may be forming, um, coursework. So anything that a person is doing develop that development assignment around it's unpacking it with them like what did you learn from this how can you apply it and then once they apply it how did that go you know what could you do differently next time so that's really getting all the good juice out of that that experience for them you know and as somebody who has a real um, passion for engagement of employees this would also be a good time to recognize when people are going through development and they've completed something um, recognize that all those little milestones, those different steps that they're taking, it it engages people to know that somebody's looking, somebody cares, and um, it can go a long way when you're looking for more work in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so part of that fourth step, which is really important, is feedback. And so that's really what the next article is about. And again, these are going to be linked as part of the show notes. And this is also for Center for Creative Leadership. And they, they propose um, a feedback model called SBI. That's SBI. And that is, stands for Situation, Behavior, and Impact. And I love this model because this it really truly is one of those foundational pieces. Um, you've probably heard about this one, but just to talk a little bit more about that. It's every time that you're giving somebody some feedback, really thinking about describing what's the situation that this um, action or uh, what you observe, what was the situation? Uh, so they understand it. It's the context that you're, you're describing for them. And then what was their behavior? What did they actually do? And then what was the impact of that? So describing what you thought or felt in reaction to that behavior, what was the impact? We also have uh, another model that we like to talk about, which is the STAR model. Very similar, but I thought we'd go ahead and share that. Trisha, you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, actually, the STAR model is something that we've 
always proposed for people who are going to be going through a behavioral interview. But it fits really nicely with feedback as well. It is something where you, it's the same kind of situation. You you kind of map out the, the situation, What give it some context. What was the task that you observed? What was that thing that the person did? What were their actions that you observed that you either really liked or something that you didn't particularly care for or wasn't effective? And then what was the result that you noticed? In, a, in an interview situation, of course, that's a great way for somebody to map out their experience in feedback. It's a great place for a conversation to take place. You know, so if feedback should not just be you know, constructive, it can also be very um, recog- or recog- can't see positive. Sorry, lost the word for a second. But, um, but giving as much specificity to it is so important and it needs to happen as soon as possible after situation and not in front of others. You know, one-on-one is the best way to do it, but feedback is can be so developmental because if you can map it out, if you can talk about that situation and unpack it in terms of actions and tasks, it gives somebody an idea of what you want to see again or what you don't think was effective. And that is a learning in itself. Great. All right. So we're going to shift gears here. And the other thing, the second thing that Dr. Hill talked about was finding your passion. How do you find your passion? And we, she talked a little bit about how she was just seven when she knew that she wanted to be, as she called it then, a dog doctor. And so she knew early on what her passion was. But That's not true actually for everybody. So finding your passion can actually be a lifelong journey. And one of the things she did bring up, though, that I thought was really interesting was even though she had this passion and she will always be a veterinarian, she also, when she had opportunities, she raised her hand and said, I'd like to try that. And so she did things even beyond. So still utilizing her skills and knowledge and experience that she had around veterinary Uh, practice, but also moving on to more administrative leadership, bigger roles. And so she tried out some new things. And that's what this is really all about when we're trying to figure out what are our passions. We've got to try a few things out. So we took some inspiration from Marcus Buckingham's new work on love and work. Um, Marcus Buckingham has partnered with the Harvard Business Review to write a book on this topic. And so there's lots of good information out there. And again, we'll have his his website linked in our show notes. And there's really five things to learn and unlearn to find or rekindle what you love in your work. So I'm going to just walk through those quickly. So the first step for learning is to learn um, to learn a successful career is a scavenger hunt for love. So that's what I was talking about when I said, you know, we got to try a few things, but we need to unlearn um, climbing the corporate ladder that this notion that it's just moving up um, in the organization, but we can think about it as exploring new things, which might take us in many different directions, not just up. 
Yeah, and number two, or the second thing you want to learn is the what always trumps the why and the who. So think about that. Um, And the unlearn is a why you believe in can compensate for work you dislike. And I'll just say the word why often puts people on the defensive. And so there's not a lot of love in work when I'm on the defensive, right? Yeah, I actually thought this one was really interesting because there is so much discussion right now about being Mm mission-driven and finding your why. And I still believe that that is really important. You have to start there. It has to matter to you what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that you're making a difference. But I think what Marcus Buckingham is saying here is that that's not enough. It's not the only thing that we do have to pay attention to the actual work that we do every day. And if we if we really don't like the work that we're actually doing every day, that we won't find that love mm-hmm. um, in our work. And so I think it's kind of like this is the reality. And we don't have to feel bad about it. That, yeah, because even though we're working for a really awesome organization or it's making big strides to help out some important initiative, if we don't like what we're doing every day, we can't, we can't, we'll get burned out. We can't maintain it. We can't be sustainable. So it's finding what sustains us every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, if I can just stay on the what and the who for a moment, um, I think that, or the what, the who, and, and the why, the who and the why really to me is it doesn't really make me none of nothing I can learn about who and why are going to make me think about um, anything I have a passion for. I don't I don't have a passion for what I do because of who or why. I have a passion about certain things I do. Like I the what is the leadership development. The what is the engagement. The what is you know. So there's a lot to that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that you and I are motivated by our why. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We are. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I own it. I Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an and. I think it's an and. I was yes. thinking about, you know, as we were developing this podcast and we were thinking about, um, you know, that this is our gift to help save the world. Yes. Bringing in these amazing guests and different voices and giving people an opportunity to talk about things that are important to them in these really big critical issues Mm -hmm. and how we're bringing our our leadership experience to that conversation the our our why is saving the world right but the what is who we're and the who a little bit is we get to work together which is amazing it is and um, we get to learn and be curious and ask questions and in a you know develop relationships and so that's the what so we're getting we're lucky we get it both we get the the mission the why and we get the what for anybody who's ever played the lottery (laughs) just listen to these podcasts because we won it (laughs) That's great. Yeah. All right. So number four is uh, to learn, strive to be different, not complete, 
and unlearn, success comes from meeting completely the job's requirement. So essentially what we're talking about here is do you have to be able to do the whole job description or can we be really good at just part of it and emphasize that part and still be really successful? And that's what we're talking about here is really um, getting good at something that differentiates us. I'm going to take you back a step because I think we actually missed three, which is the learn is the most successful people mold their job to maximize their loves. And the unlearn is the most successful people find the perfect job for them. And you know, I think you are right. We all come, I know, (laughs) and I think we do that, you know, for bringing us back to step three. And you know, I think we all come to the world with our own talents, our own, and our love of whatever gives us sort of a uniqueness. It's what is our niche, you know, if you will, something that that we know that maybe we think nobody else knows, or the way we deliver it is our own, we've got our own stamp on things, right? And so I think that that's what this speaks um, about to me. It's like, I feel more powerful when I am exercising my passions, and I feel more in love with what I do, when I'm able to attach what I love to do with what I am doing, right? Because that's not always the case. Sometimes you have to kind of find your passion in the work you do. But if you can attach it, I think that 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 is love and work for me. Yeah. He shares that 73% of people report that they have the freedom to modify their job to fit themselves better. So as Trisha was saying, uh, let's figure out a way to actually capitalize on that to look at what are those red threads through each day that really bring me joy things that I love and try and mold that job a little bit into that and that that really is very closely aligned with that number four that that Mm -hmm. I started down absolutely yeah strive to be different not complete so where can you continue to build what we were just talking about there where you find what you love continue to build it in the role that you have and you know I think sometimes it's difficult to find that if you're in a role that you know you've taken because of whatever circumstances whatever your life circumstances are right you may find yourself in a job that it's not maybe your perfect fit but you've made it work because you've found parts of it that you can attach to right Um, but within an organization most of the time, at least in my career, I've found that there are extracurricular things that you might be able to get attached to that make work worth going to, right? And make it worth putting some effort in and, and getting to enjoy the work you're doing because you get to be a part of something else, whether it's a an association or um, some kind of a, a know, some kind of a subject, specialized subject group or something like that. Um, even I've worked in places where they had Toastmasters, and I know a lot of people who love to talk and but didn't feel that they could do it very well. So just to be able to tap into things like that can often help you find a talent that enables you to find a love in the work that you didn't think you liked so much. You might find that you're being a speaker is coming in handy in your job, and then there you go. Weird example, but it works. <laughs> okay. Last step is step 
five. And this one is to learn leading comes from depth of expertise and unlearn leading comes from having a range of experiences. This was a really interesting one. And I'm going to read actually what he's got here around that. Yep. Shape your career like an hourglass. Searching and scavengering, this is what that concept we were talking about, like trying out different things. So searching and scavengering to begin with, then committing yourself to becoming deeply expert at something, only then branching out to lead others. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, th I think that's absolutely true. And I've found in my career in whatever company or, or organization I've been working for, um, that that is true, that when you have a depth of expertise, it's not just how, you know, I've done this for 20 years. It's not that you've done it for 20 years. How deep did you go? How much did you learn about it? How much did you dig in and do it until you've gotten to the point where you feel very comfortable with what you know? You feel very confident about what you know, and you're able to help others in the process. It's I think that is where leadership really lies. When I'm looking to my leader, the person who, you know, looks at my performance, I want to know that that person has done a deeper dive in what we do um, in our field of practice. And if I don't see that, then, you know, I probably have to find my happy place somewhere else, you know, because it's just, it's difficult to be someone who does the deep dive and not be able to have a conversation that goes much deeper than the surface with my own leader. So it's, it's something, if you are a leader and we all are leaders, right? It, it behooves us to, to get out there and, and learn as much about what we do and test it, experiment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So hopefully we've piqued your interest there around finding your passion and then being able to actually Find that in your work every day. So that's what this work is about, is like the practical aspect of that. How do we find love at work, uh, love within our work? And so, again, we'll link that article or that um, website in our show notes so that you can d take a deeper dive. Speaking of de deeper dives. Another gem from Marcus Buckingham. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he's got yes. great stuff, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. All right. And then our last... Uh, area of focus coming from the Dr. Hale podcast is around resilience. And I really loved her stories. And I hope that if you haven't watched the or haven't listened to the podcast, that you um, go back and listen to that because there's so many good gems there. I will just um, just make a note or uh, give you a little note here around resilience from Dr. Hale. She says, uh, it's okay when you find yourself in that place of having um, had a setback or are feeling some, um, some adversity, you've been through some adversity. It's okay to say right now that I am weak, to reach out for help, um, but also it's okay to feel the pain. It's okay to cry. Then there will be time to rise up. It's important to acknowledge the feelings to face them, to see them, and then know that eventually the clouds will part and that you'll figure out the next steps. And when you are ready to figure out those next steps, start with 
just 10 minutes. What am I going to do in the next 10 minutes? And when you have that figured out, what am I going to do in the next 10 hours? And then when you have that figured out, what am I going to do in the next 10 weeks? And that's, that's her advice for figuring out, like, how do I move through this really difficult time? I just want to say that it could be any increment you say you want to do, <laughs> you know, if, if it's 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days, 10, you know, weeks, but just something, you know, if it's five, it's five. But, but think about that because we all move forward. And the, the more you are looking forward, the probably the shorter your, your um, time in the low points are, is going to exist. And uh, the faster you're going to actually live your resilience and bounce back. Yeah. So I found um, a really great TEDx talk. talk. It was TEDx Rice University uh, from a researcher on resilience, Dr. Danielle King. And so we've got the, the link to that for you, of course, in our um, on the website. And this was actually done prior to the pandemic, but I thought really relevant still for what we're talking about regarding resilience. And I loved what Dr what Dr. King had to say on this topic. And so I wanted to share that with you. And I would encourage you to actually go and watch that, um, that video um, that she goes into a lot more depth, but here's sort of the highlights. Um, she dis- she defines resilience as resilience is adaptive behavioral pursuit of your goals, despite adversity. She said resilience is not all unicorns and rainbows. In order to build resilience, we must experience adversity. And I think that's so powerful Mm. because sometimes I think we think we can actually, and we can do some things to actually make sure that when we do experience adversity, we've got some good things on board, like getting plenty of sleep and eating healthy and exercising. So we can show up in those moments better but essentially, in order for us to really build that muscle and really understand what it takes to be resilient, we have to actually experience that adversity. So true. So true. The second thing is resilience does not equal success. So it, when we see people who are successful, it doesn't mean they're necessarily resilient. It's about the choices that we make to continue to pursue our go- goals after adversity. That's what resilience is. The third thing is resilience does not mean we have to accept the trauma and keep on doing what we were doing before. And sometimes we like to think of this as, um, you know, endurance versus resilience when we continue to do the same things over and over. And sometimes when we're facing adversity, some of us kind of close in, we get a narrow focus, we put our heads down and we just work harder and harder and harder when really what we need to do is take a step back. And what Dr. King would say is we need to adjust our strategy to still achieve our goal and we need to adjust our habits. So sometimes taking a pause and actually readjusting rather than just trying to keep pushing on. The fourth thing, resilience doesn't mean that we don't feel the hard stuff. So those 
through her research, she's discovered that those who demonstrate the most resilience still, still feel the negative emotions, but also are able to feel the positive emotions as well. They can hold both. So that's, that those positive emotions are what help us rise up again to bounce back. So we have to still feel those negative emotions. It's important, but we can hold a positive experience as well. And I was thinking, boy, the, the uh, pandemic, COVID, was such a great example of this. There was so much grief and negative things going on and hardship that people were feeling. And at the same time, there were things like opportunities for people to be with their family for their, at least their nucleus family that was in the house with them, um, be with them. Their, that opportunity to slow down a little, for some people anyway, they were able to slow down a little bit. So there were things that were positive. So being able to hold these, both these emotions, the negative and the positive. So those were her four uh, important um, things to know about resilience. I've, I found that just to be really fascinating. Um, the last thing on resilience, uh, she says, resilience for us all means that we decide that any failure, obstacle, negative emotion, or moment of self-doubt is a comma in our goal pursuit chapter and never a period. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to read it one more time. Resilience for us Resilience for us all means that we decide that any failure, obstacle, negative emotion, or moment of self-doubt is a comma in our goal pursuit chapter and never a period. I love that statement. It is so true. You know, I, I have to say that so many times I've watched other people and myself even have um, a deep dive, you know, something doesn't go right. Um, I, I found that I went to a job one time and I found that I almost didn't like it almost immediately, right? But I wasn't going to give in. I was going to keep trying. And after seven months of doing that, I was at the lowest of lows. It was not, I was not let go, but I had to leave because I couldn't take it anymore. But I wasn't sure once I got out that I was going to be so quick to recover because it was quite a hit. You know, it was a really hard, hard job to have. And I found what was happening with me and what I've heard others that I know say is that you listen to those little voices in your head that say, you're not good enough. You're not, you know, you never, you failed. You can't do that. And I would just say, find a way to quiet your saboteurs, you know, those people or those voices that in your head or those little angel devil on your shoulder that one's telling you that you're not worth it or you can't do it and and that was your failure and it isn't it is a failure but a failure is a gift I often think you know it's it's like wow I learned a lot from that experience and when I look back on it now I don't think of it as a negative thing at all I think what I think of it now is it was truly a gift I learned a lot in that process so if we can take a look at you know if you if you've not gone through a lot before, and this is maybe the first time you've, you've, you've had a hit, that's what I call it, because it's just a hit. It's a comma. It's not a period, right? Um, you know, look in the mirror and, and remember that you are a good person. I mean, those little 
mere self-affirmations can sometimes be enough to help you get through the 10 minutes, the 10 hours, the 10 days, right? Until you have a chance to see that there is something on the other end of that. Just experiment a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And boy, have we all experienced those those were those setbacks, mm-hmm. you know, we've, most people have experienced that and it gives us empathy for, for other people. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm thinking of, you know, our younger audience, if we have, you know, if we have folks in our audience who haven't had a lot of time in, in business, please don't ever think that a moment of what you consider to be a failure is really a failure. It's, it's actually a moment to learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I've, I've gone through so many myself and I was thinking about I, the most significant one in my career was not getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. And that really took me out of the game for a while. It knocked me off my center. And I'll always be grateful to, I actually had the opportunity to have a coach. And it was through that working with that coach that I really sort of regained my center and figured out what I wanted to do. And that took me on a completely different path. So as Dr. King was saying, right, it's like, what's the different strategy? What strategy can you take now in order to achieve your goals? And what I realized was my goal wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. That goal, I had, I shifted the actual goal and, um, but what I really wanted to do was still be able to make a difference. And so going on and becoming a coach and having this whole new world open up for me, I would have never pursued that had I gotten that promotion. And I know in my heart, this is where I need to be. And we wouldn't be doing this podcast either, I'm right? I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm really grateful. <laughs> yeah. So, so some of these things, yeah, we can't necessarily see it at the time, but we definitely um can find that it's um that it's you know it's 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 a gift in the long run we learn something from that and we move on and we create new strategies so we are closing uh out here a little bit so i hope that our listeners i hope you have all really enjoyed this time to take a little deeper dive i hope that you've got some practical steps that you can take and one of the things we're also going to be doing is challenging you. We we warned you up front <laughs> that we were going to challenge you. So we really hope, you know, grab a notebook, um, grab a pencil or, you know, take some notes on your phone or whatever mode you want to do. Get that seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some challenges. We, we, we want you to enjoy, of course, listening to the podcast. Um, but we also, you know, we're really here about making change. And so that's why we inter- we're introducing this challenge um, aspect um, of the podcast. So here we go. We've got a couple of them for you. And the first two actually come from Dr. Hale from her episode. Where are the next leaders coming from? So really sit with that and soak with that. Do you know where are the next leaders coming from? And if you don't, then it's time to put some thought around that. The next one is, how are you developing developing leaders, not just for bettering your business, but also so they can be the best for themselves and make their lives better? The third one is, how, as a leader, can you commit developing your team 
but also to developing yourself. So what is it? What is it going to take for you to be vulnerable? Because we know when you learn new things, right, you're not always going to get it right. So you've got to be vulnerable. What's it going to take for you to be vulnerable and model the way? Because people are watching, right? When you're a leader, they're watching and they want to know that it's okay to fail once in a while. And so you go first. Let's see the next one. If you don't know what your employees love about their work, find out and help them to do more of that every day. And the last one is how can you be more resilient through adjusting your strategies to achieve your goals? So we hope that you will take our challenge and continue to, um, increase your capabilities, um, as a leader every day. It was really fun, Trisha, to co-host with you and get to revel in Dr. Hale's good, good episode and wise thoughts again today. I hope she's listening. (laughs) I do too. Yeah. She inspired us for sure. Um, Let's keep the conversation going with our with our listeners. So we would love for you to send us some comments, uh, any questions that you have, um, and you can do that on any of our social media channels. We have more excellent episodes coming up as well. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you know someone who you find this episode who might find this episode inspiring, please share it with them, text them, email them, or even take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find episode notes there as well. And thank you to Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. And thanks again, Trisha, for co-hosting with me. Thanks, Crystal. It's always fun. (laughs) And thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and being part of our audience. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week.